Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Drive and Dish Podcast. There's the Drive and Dish. Quick, quick. Welcome to your total moment, my friend. To start it off, it's Kevin Rafuse and Justin Kuzart. Let's go. Two, one, two, one, two, Mike check. Well, I mean, hey, there's uh, not really a way to sugarcoat this at all, I guess. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the five-year anniversary edition of the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. I mean, five years. Justin, that is crazy. This is, the, that's the, this is the first anniversary, I mean, maybe other than 500 episodes, that I've actually been like, wow, we've really been doing this a long time. Yeah, five years. Um, I'm trying to think, like... It doesn't feel like it's been five years, but I guess we, I do feel like we've been talking a lot of basketball. Like I think back and I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember covering that or talking about that on the podcast now. Whereas, you know, back in the day we'd bring up stuff that happened in the past and we're like, yeah, we weren't podcasting then. So we don't really know how everybody felt about it. Well, it's interesting because I think the one consistent is that the Warriors have been really good the whole time we've done this podcast. Like we've done five NBA finals and this year will be six. Because we started, obviously we started in March. Um, the Warriors and the Cavs have been in all of them except one. I was going to say, yeah, that is true. I also would like to point out for everybody that hates on the NBA for the Warriors. And Kevin, maybe you have better insight into this than I do. Um, but like, personally, I feel like the Lightning are more dominant than the Warriors right now. Oh, wow. Uh, that, that's not exactly what... I think right this second, yeah, but the thing is the Warriors have won. Yeah. The Lightning haven't won since 04. Um, it's just know, more, I think, They've been in the mix every year to win. That's the thing. And the Lightning, the Tampa Bay Lightning's third line is better than most teams' first lines. Yeah. Um, And they should. Like, they're heavy favorites to win the Cup this year. Even the team that comes out of the West, like, somebody good is going to come out of the West, whether it's Nashville, whether it's Winnipeg, whether it's San Jose. Um. But it just, it does. It, it feels like it's a per- massive failure if the Lightning don't win the Cup this year. Yeah. But also, like, they aren't on, you know, imagine if the Lightning had won three Cups. They probably would be sick of each other a little bit, too, I think, the way the Warriors are. Yeah, I just, I look at it because we obviously have to cover it for the ESPN show, and, like, it feels like every day I talk about them, it's like, oh, they won again. Oh, they won again. Oh, they're the first team to 50. And, hey, every other team's, like, still 10 games away from that. They clinched the playoffs like three weeks ago. I think. <laughs> How wild is that? That's so funny. It's stupid. I don't think, I mean, now you got me pulling up NHL standings. <laughs> I was uh, just looking at them too, yeah, actually. The, they're the only one to clinch the playoffs right now. They have 112 points. Uh, the second place team in the NHL, or the second highest, has 95. See, that's so that's so wild to me. Like, it's, 
I don't know. You find that you find teams that are just that much better or that much more dominant in every sport. So that's why I wanted to bring that up and just be like, see, it it happens in other sports. Everyone just likes to hone in on NBA for it because. Yeah, but it do- well, in the NHL, it hasn't though. Like the yeah. Lightning are this good, and the Lightning look like they're one of they could be if they win a cup, one of the greatest teams of all time. But the Lightning have again haven't won a cup since '04. Yeah, like the last team to really. I mean, the Penguins won back-to-back, and, oh, God, that sentence is disgusting. I'm going to pretend I never said that. <laughs> I was going to um, say, yeah, the Pelicans seemed pretty dominant there for a moment, too. Who? The Pelicans. Or the Pelicans. The uh, the Penguins. Yeah, the Penguins had the two years. I mean, the Blackhawks had a couple. Um, they never won back-to-back, but they had the, you know, they had three. Um, I mean, the NBA, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. this is a lot in the row. I mean, the Warriors have won three of four. I mean, there's dominant teams in other sports. Obviously, the Patriots in the NFL, the Patriots have won two of the last three and have, have been in three straight finals. Mm-hmm. I think the one they didn't win is the only one that's important. That's the only one that I'm worried about. <laughs> uh, but I'm the, I was the worst that summer. I think that was the worst. Like, oh, man. I, we, we don't need to rehash that. Um, anyway, though, five years of the podcast is really crazy. Um, I, we've done the podcast longer than I was in college, uh, longer than we were in high school, um, longer than most relationships I've been in in my life. Um, I mean, it's, it's crazy. What, um, I'm trying to think, do you have a, like a, a favorite moment in five years of the podcast? I mean, I still love every time we went to summer league, like summer league was so much fun to me. In Orlando or Vegas? Both, honestly. Like, Vegas obviously is going to have its own specific special reasons because, like, that was just wild. And, like, you know, seeing Joel Embiid just walking down the street was kind of cool, you know? But yeah. But there's something about Orlando, too, that was just, you're so much closer in Orlando. Like, it's just a gym. And so that was kind of Yeah, Orlando cool. was intimate. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the thing. It was like we really were, you know, walking by, you know, Kevin Durant is sitting two seats down from you. Yeah, um, you and really then, hear Patrick Ewing calling plays in in the Hornets summer league team huddle. You really hear Malik Monk on the sideline after he gets drafted, talking with the guys and talking with coaches while he's out. Like, yeah, it is. It's just, I mean, that was the best part about Orlando. And, and I'm I'm probably going to agree with that. The first year we did Orlando summer league, just the whole weekend from everything, like how it went down during the day and how cool it was just being in the building and like mm-hmm. all the great sound we got and the episodes we did, and then you know going out in downtown Orlando was super fun. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that's definitely out there. Vegas is just different. Yeah. Yeah. Vegas is more of an event. Like there's more, you know, obviously there's bigger names in Vegas. Everybody is there now. Every team is there now. So it, it, the NBA is making it a marquee event. I mean, when we were out there in Vegas, those Saturday tickets were sold out. It was Mm -hmm. glad we got ours because, you know, we couldn't got in the building other days, which is crazy. I think that that had never happened before, but yeah, like you said, in Orlando, I mean, it, it's literally in their practice facility. Like, you were on the court. There's two rows because there's only two rows to be had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that. And, and you know, it's cool. Like, I, I remember specifically one of the first times, maybe it was the second time we were there, but, like, Chris Stapps Przingis just walking by us, and we're like, holy cow, this dude is huge. Yeah. Uh, like, that was the first player that I saw that was really like, wow, man. And I forget what NBA player. I want to say it was Kevin Durant, maybe... Did Kevin Durant break his foot back in the day or hurt his yeah, foot? Yeah, no, because we talked to him. He said, yeah. um, I asked him who kept in touch with him the most over the summer, and he said Kendrick Perkins, which I thought was an awesome answer. Yeah. Um, that was the Yeah, that was the year where he was with the Thunder. He broke his foot, and he had come back, but he came back way too early, and he re-broke it, essentially. Yep. And so it just caught, you know, it kind of cost him the whole year. It was unfortunate. 
Yeah, I almost tripped over his foot, um, which would have been, oh, God. You, you can only imagine if I had hit that, you know? Have you seen Curb Your Enthusiasm? No. Well, uh, maybe not in, a, not in a really long time. There's an episode where Larry David trips Shaq and sends him to the hospital when Shaq's playing for the Lakers. It's uh, like way back in the day. I'm talking like first or second season, so we're like 99, 2000. But. Yeah, oh, see, that, that would have been... Uh, Oh man, I, I I remember it happened, and he looked at me, and he goes, "Man, you would have gotten wrecked on social media." And I was like, "I oh, know." <laughs> it's like, "Oh man, you, you, you know, got it gets too close. We would have got banned from every event before we ever even got started. Yep. And by the way, uh, just a little teaser: um, Shaq is going to be. I'm not sure if he's going to be my ballin or fallen yet, but he's one of them. Oh, I thought it was going to be like, I thought you were going to say you got it for the podcast. I was about to be like, oh, wow. Yeah, dude, dude's, a, dude's coming on. What a five-year come up. No, 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 no. Um, no, but he will get an honorable mention in our Ballin' and Fallen segment. All right, well, we'll get into that later on. Welcome, everyone, to the Driving Dish NBA podcast. My name is Kevin Rafuse. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Justin Kuzart. Oh, so they really lied about sending a man to the moon. Oh, no. Is this Kyrie? <laughs> no, actually, I was. You, you kind of expect it from him. Uh, I, I highly doubt you're going to uh, to pick this guy. All right, then just go with it because I, I don't even know. Cinderius Thornwell. Okay, you're right. I would definitely not have picked <laughs> Cinderius Thornwell. That's why I was like, there's no way he picks this. Uh, another guy who we yeah, actually we, saw in Summer League. We did. We did see Cinderius Thornwell in Summer League. Uh, people went to the moon. Uh, spoiler alert. NASA's doing a new study on uh, unopened moon rocks that they brought back. You know, my roommate and I asked, he was asking me the other night, we were talking about it, we were like, why have we haven't really sent people back to the moon? But just, I don't feel like there's a lot to do on the moon. No, like, you, it, like it's a whole, like, getting to the top of any kind of mountain. It's like, okay, we got here. All right, now we just have to come back. Like, what are you really going to do there? You know, like, right, I get like, it. You bring no some stuff back. There's no atmosphere. There's no water. Like, there's no chance of life being formed. Like, it's definitely cool to get to get rocks and, you know, study how it's made of and, like, its origins and age and all that stuff. Like, I don't want to act like it's nothing at all. It's, you know, it affects tides and such. But, but like, I don't you know. can it's send a like robot you know, like, up when there. When people get to Mars, it's going to be a big deal. Right, but like you can just send a robot up to the moon and grab those rocks and come back, and you don't have to risk someone's life. Yeah, R.I.P. the Mars rover, by the way. Yeah, how? Oh man, that's that's got to be like, I don't even know how to compare that, but man, that's got to be the most depressing thing ever. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you you say that, and then you cover the news every week. Oh yeah, that's true. There's been some other yeah, depressing yeah. things. Yeah, uh, you know, rest in peace to everybody in New Zealand. That is just absolutely mm -hmm. terrible. Yeah. Uh, if you have a five-year favorite moment from the Driving Dish NBA podcast, tweet us. Um, if we had an intern, we would maybe go back and pull some clips. Um, yeah. I was listening. I did actually listen to. Um, I went on iTunes and I went back to the first episode that we posted on iTunes, which the other ones were on iTunes. They're not anymore, but there's like 150 or so that just aren't on the internet anywhere. I don't think. Probably for um, the best. Yeah, but so this was in the middle, I think this was in like July of 2015 this episode was up, or mm -hmm. that, that's when the switch happened um, with the podcast starting in March of 2014, and it was the the intro, I was listening to the intro because that was mostly what I was interested in, uh, it was when Tim wanted to wear name tags to the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he said it was a conversation piece. Right, I'm really <laughs> glad we never did that. 
I I still look back at when we went to summer league the first time and we wore bow ties. Like what? What were we doing? It was the worst idea of all time. It was horrific. <laughs> It like, actually was the worst idea of all time. Like, like, uh, who was it? Stan Van Gundy saw us getting changed in the parking lot. Uh, was it Stan Van? No, it was definitely Stan Van. Stan Van's in Orlando, too, by the way, all the time now. Yeah, well, he saw us getting changed. And he's just like, he just like saw us. He said, hey, he just kept walking by. And I was like, oh, what a bad look for all of us right now. You live and you learn. The yeah. other years were better. And one of the things you can help us out if you want to give us a little anniversary present is uh, leaving us a review on iTunes. Goal is to get to 200 reviews in America. Uh, I know we're pretty close, and everywhere else we have goals there, too. Uh, so a review does help us reach those, and uh, we will give you a shout-out here on the show. We will. Uh, and this is number 188, so pushing uh, for closer to that 200 goal. I uh, got a five-star review this week. It's by my Mike Yang. And my Mike Yang titled the uh, review, Terrific Podcast, definitely give it a chance. And he says, I love Kevin and Justin. It feels like I'm just chatting about basketball with my buds. I've been meaning to write a review for a while, but med school has kept me pretty busy. Anyways, they're perfect for me as someone who is be somewhere between a casual fan and a diehard stat cruncher. I listen to The Ringer as well, and sometimes Low Post and Dunked On, and I think Kevin and Justin offer great fresh perspectives that I don't get from the bigger pods. Keep up the good work. That's fun. Um, one of the debates I always have, because I like listening to those podcasts, is I try to listen to them after we record, mainly because I don't want their opinions to influence what I'm thinking about a subject. Yeah. And I try to do that with most things. Like when I, when, you know, like we're going to talk about the Westbrook stuff, I tried to not listen to Sports Center and hear what Shaq and Charles Barkley and, and all those guys and everyone on ESPN and Sports Center and TNT halftime show. Like I'm trying not to get their opinion so I can come with my own um, because I, that's, that's where I'm at with it. Like if I, I'm very influenced. So if I hear someone's opinion before I form my own, a lot of the times it will echo that. Um, so I make a big point to not listen to those podcasts until after we talk about the subject, if I know they're going to talk about it. Yeah, I'm a noted Zach Lowe stan, but I think that is one of the things you need to watch. And with NBA Twitter, and too, is that yeah. you know you want to avoid it turning into an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, that's unfortunately one of the downsides about Twitter in general, not just with NBA, but you know if you follow all the same type of people, you're just going to kind of reinforce your own beliefs, uh, whether they're right or not. So you know, but I I definitely understand you on that. I also you know, you uh, want I we don't want to regurgitate opinions. Like there are people who you know the people who are in the locker rooms and all that. You know, we we respect that for what it is. We don't try to break news. We just you know call it how we see it. We call it how we see it. And also, like I'm so about the like mild flex he did in that uh, in that review. I'm so about it. Oh, being busy at med school. I was gonna say, yeah, good luck at med school, yeah. dude. I can uh, I can understand being busy for that. Yeah, I agree. I love it. I'm all about it. Thank you for uh, thank you for letting us know that's what you're doing because uh, you know, much respect to that. Um, my uncle wanted me to uh, become a surgeon, <laughs> and uh, in high school he he asked me to sit in on a surgery. Like he, he, you know how like you can watch him. He wanted me to watch just to see if I'd be interested. Right. And I don't remember what he did, but man, I saw him make one cut and I thought I was going to pass out and I left. I was like, no <laughs> way am I doing this. And that's how I found I out like I wasn't going to be a doctor. I feel like you would crack a joke before like massive brain surgery or something like that. Probably. 
you know, I mean, the guy's hopefully at that point already asleep or, or knocked out so that you, you know, doing whatever you're doing. But yeah, what I kind did, of joke for the anesthesia. No, no, I would see I wouldn't do it to a patient. I would do it to like the people working with me, though. Oh, well, you be can't like, write. I'd be like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're cutting open the skull or something and be like, oh, let's see what's on your mind or something. And then you're just... doing a, right, you're doing open heart <laughs> surgery, aorta, more like aorta. <laughs> yeah. See, that's exactly what I would be doing. So, oh, um, God, I, yeah, I could never, I don't have the steady hands to be a surgeon. It would just never happen in a no. billion years. The blood thing wouldn't freak me out as much. And like, I think there's something satisfying about being a surgeon and being a doctor and, and helping people. Like, I think that that's naturally satisfying. But, um, yeah, that would, I just, yeah, it would no, never work. I, and I like, forget where where he was working on the guy. It was so long ago, but I want to say it was something on the face, and that's what made it worse for me because I, I thought about how much it would hurt for that person, and that was when I was just like, oh, God. So, you know. Thank you for the review, though. It's awesome. Good luck <laughs> in med school, man. And now a word from our sponsors. The Driving Dish NBA can now be played hands-free. Just say to your Amazon Echo, Play podcast, The Driving Dish NBA, and you can hear all our episodes. So there's a bunch of topics we want to hit today on the show, and so we're just going to kind of start, I guess, from more of the beginning of the week. I I, I think it was the beginning of the week that this happened, um, where the Westbrook and Jazz situation came in. Um, obviously, there's a lot to dissect there, but uh, more news that came out. As of like, I think it was last night for us, uh, Dante Exum out indefinite, indefinitely after a uh, torn tendon in his right knee, uh, which just sucks because, man, this guy's been battling and we've seen glimpses of him, but it just feels like he's been fighting injury ever since he came into the league and even almost before he came into the league. Yeah, I mean, Dante Exum got drafted in, in 2014 and yeah. I still feel like we have no indication of who he is as a player. I mean, we had... That stretch in the playoffs last year where, you know, you saw the lockdown defender potential and, you know, he was billed as a pretty good athlete going into it. I mean, he's still only 23. I mean, that's the craziest part about this is the guy hasn't even really hit his prime yet. But, you know, we're talking about five seasons since he's been drafted. Rookie year, he played 82. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's all good. But since then, he missed the whole next season in 2015. Yep. In 2016, he played 66 games. But the last two years, I mean, 2017, he played 14 games and... You know, this past year he's played 42, and he's going to be done for the year. Um, out in well, out indefinitely. Let me say that. I guess it's not it's a little too early to say that he's done for the year, but it doesn't sound like it's good at this point. Anytime with it's a knee injury, you're expecting a couple weeks minimum. Whenever you hear indefinite, I know that that's always a little more. I mean, it's a little more worrying, I guess, because you know, not having that time that for sure timeline, but. I mean, that's just what it is. It feels like every time Dante Exum gets going, he gets injured again. And so it just seems like it's been a bunch of false starts recently. And I'm obviously hoping he shakes this off, but I don't know. I I think if you're the Jazz, how do you count on this guy as part of your core at this point, especially when you're trying to contend? I I don't think you can. And and, I mean, I think you treat him as a player that when he's there, you, you give him the minutes, but like... What do you really like? I, I don't. You can't game plan for him to be there, and you can't b- start, you know, moving forward with your team with him in mind. You know. Yeah, and it's not exactly like he's been effective when he's been out there this year either. Mm-hmm. I mean, his warp is negative point three right now. His box plus minus is negative four. Um, you know, he's only had a positive warp once, and that was last year. And last year, we're talking about a fourteen game sample size. Yeah. So uh, obviously, very. Um, you know, sad news 
on on our side of things with that because you never want to see an, a player injured, especially one that's been battling so hard to get back and trying to get into the rotation and shown that when he's there, he can he can perform and and you just you wish him the best. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's that's all we can say at this point, really, for Dante Exum. It's just been you know, and there's been really no consistency with the injuries either. But you know, having the having the major ACL and then mm-hmm. just another. You know, potentially devastating injury. It's just unfortunate. It's really sad. Again, like we said, the kid's only 23, so maybe he can figure it out. Um, but it's just his body hasn't really been great so far. But then going back to the main, uh, you know, news that the Jazz were in the new. Well, the main reason the Jazz were in the news this week, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, is the incident with Russell Westbrook, uh, the Jazz, and the Thunder playing in Salt Lake City. Um, obviously, there's a lot of animosity going back to last year. Um, Russell Westbrook, I think in general, uh, can get a lot of heat from other teams fans, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, initially the clip came out of all you saw was Russ saying to this fan, I'll F you up. I'm not playing. And, you know, talking about it with security and all that, like really animated, really just, you know, look, I know Russ scowls on the court all the time, but he was really barking at this fan and cursing at him and cursing at his wife. And then it, you know, it comes out. Uh, what exactly that this fan was heckling him the whole game. He was saying a lot of inappropriate stuff, uh, you know, really kind of going across the line, um, you know, saying get down on your knees and all sorts of other just ridiculous stuff like that. Um, you know, and initially uh, Westbrook's teammates, Patrick Patterson and a couple of others came to his defense right away and said, yeah, this was going on. This guy was way over the line. And then a number of the jazz players as well, including Donovan Mitchell and Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert both came out and said, yo, and this is unacceptable. You know, this has got to stop. And it just brings up that, you know, debate again. It's been, you know, all the way back to 2004 was the malice at the palace. And I think everybody remembers that when, you know, it's crazy seeing uh, Ron Artest and Stephen Jackson going into the stands and and getting at it in that whole hostile atmosphere with Detroit and Indy that boiled over. Um, Also, low-key underrated malice at the palace thing. That probably broke up a team that could have won the finals that year with all the suspensions, the way Indy was playing. But yeah. we can talk about that another day. I don't know about you, but does it feel like that we've seen more fan player incidents recently this last year or so than we have? I mean, I'm not going to act like this hasn't been going on for a long time. And there, you always have fans in every arena who just get way over the line mm-hmm. and who start cursing and, and just start saying all sorts of wild, inappropriate stuff. Fans that don't get caught all the time. I mean, the Jazz just permanently banned a fan that was on a viral video back from the playoff series last year. And he was he kept calling Westbrook a boy, which is not acceptable under any means at all. Yeah. Uh, so have you noticed that more? I feel like it's been a few, like, I feel like there's an incident or two every year and they all kind of blend together. So I can't remember which year was which, but I remember like Clay Thompson, where the fan kind of stood over him. Uh, I think that was last year or it was early this year. I can't remember. But then you uh, like this year, I know you got the, and it's not really a fan interaction one, but you got the the article being written about Joel Embiid being reckless and, and trying to save the ball and going in and taking out like a reporter and a few fans and an actress, you know, like, um, so I, I, I remember situations of it happening in the past. Um, and, and it feels like it has ramped up in the past few years. And I'm not sure if that's because of social media, because like, think about it. If you can, if you have your phone on and you know, saying something to somebody on the court is going to get a reaction and you're in your recording, 
Well, then you have yourself a potential viral video that you can you can tweet out, you know, especially if you're that close to the court and they can hear you. Well, so the Jazz banned this fan. And I think what you said about the closeness to the court is one of the bigger things with the NBA, too, that the NBA contends with, you know, compared to other sports. I mean, think about it. Baseball. Other than along the third and first baseline, you're not really that close at all. And even then, you know, unless the player's leaping into the stands, you're well into foul territory. NHL, you've got the boards up around it. So you literally have a physical barrier separating you. NFL, you're way off the field. You're way off the sideline. You're not even close. Even if they can hear you, you're still yards and yards away. I mean, maybe the tunnel is the closest that you can get. In the NBA, you're on the court. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting courtside, you are on the court. All those first couple of rows, like this guy was sitting in, like, you're close. They can hear you. If you're yelling, you know, these guys can hear you. Even with you, yeah. even it doesn't matter how many people, thousands of people are in these stadiums. If you yell loud enough, they're going to hear you. And it's just one of these things where it's tough because when you hear all this ridiculous stuff all the time, how can you blame the players like that? Eventually, if you say the wrong thing, if you say something that's over the line that somebody feels personally about, it's going to boil over. And I think that there has to be, like, look, you're a fan. You can say whatever you want. It's within your free speech rights. But there's a general code of conduct that comes with going to a game, and you just – there's ways to heckle with that without being an all hat, for lack of a – better term yeah and i remember uh listening to the the interview they did with the fan like to get his perspective from the story um and and you know there's always two sides to every story so that's that's what that is but i kind of agreed with him in the fact that i think he may have also reacted after the fact i don't know if he said anything after russ started cursing or anything like that but i know me personally like if you threatened my girlfriend then yes i i would you know, have some strong words. Um, and I understand Russ was coming from, he felt like he was being racially attacked. Um, and that's why he kind of just went back because he said he heard it from both of them. And so that's what he was yelling back about him and uh, the guy and the girlfriend and stuff like that. And and Wes, has, Wes came back out afterwards and was like, yo, like I would never hit a woman. I wouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. She just also said it, you know, things were heated. So I get it. But yeah, that's that's the only one where I was like, all right, Wes, you may have crossed the line, like threatening a woman. I I, I get it. You were probably heated, but like at no point should you do that. Yeah, I hear you. I don't know. I mean, I, it, every fan that was in that area kind of backed up Russell Westbrook, right, which right. I think is telling too. And even Utah fans are backing up Russell well, and Westbrook. They, and this this guy's receipts didn't look good. Like that's the thing is you get on Twitter and he's got yep. you know there's people incriminate themselves now on yep. social media. You can't. That's the one good thing about this era, I guess, is a lot of times is you know. A lot of times people do tell you who they are and they do tell you and they put their names and faces on it. I think a lot of the problem with social media is that a lot of people don't put their names and faces on it and say some wild things that you would never say in person. But there are a lot of people that do, though. And when you do, that's the that's the risk that you run. It's just like there's again, there's ways to heckle Russell Westbrook without going over the line. Yep. You know. Tell him how bad his three-point percentage is. Yep. Did you uh, did you see the TNT halftime show conversation about this kind of? I did not. Okay, so so Barkley and Shaq are talking, and, and Barkley goes, I'm not saying I'm right, but I've been in like three or four altercations physically with fans and then Shaq starts laughing, and like Barkley looks over at him, and Shaq's like, "Only three or four, not six. 
And like Barkley, and like everyone in the room's laughing at this point. And Barkley's like, all right, well, it was maybe six or four. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> like you get in that many fights. And then, and then he goes on to say, but I never had to go to court with him because I settled up right there. And I was like, yeah. that's, that's good. And also really bad at the same time. But I get where you're coming from is, is he was saying, you know, like it, this isn't anything new. It's happened back there, but you know, he, I guess, made sure to take care of it before law enforcement had to get involved. Well, yeah, and I think there's just more attention now, too, yeah. than there was back in the day. Back in the 90s when there's not cameras everywhere. Like, that's the thing. Everybody has a camera now. If you got a yep. phone, if you got a smartphone, you got a camera. Look at my like, Conor McGregor situation. There's a billion angles. Look at the McGregor situation. Yeah. That all, yeah. That all sp- sp- banned off of, uh, you know, one fan trying to take a picture of him real early in the morning or real late at night, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, and I get it. And it's, I mean, it's tough because on one hand, you know what you're getting into when you become an NBA player. But, you know, I've never had a phone in my face. I've never had a camera in my face all day long. I can imagine that would get old really quickly. Let me ask you um, one last thing on this and then we can move on, I guess. Um, So being booted for life for this incident, do you think that's too much? Do you think that's too harsh? You know, where do you feel with the punishment? I feel like it's probably, look, that's the decision that the organization made. Um, They were given all the evidence. They were, you know, again, the fact that players on both teams said it, the fact that that fans in that section were talking about it and saying that it was happening all game long. Look, if if that's the decision the organization has made and and that's what it is, then that's what it is. Who am I to argue against that decision? Um, Do you think they're still Jazz fans? Do I th- uh, yeah, I think so. Would you still be a Sixers fan if you and 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 say it doesn't have to be on, in a in a racial like a situation like this where it's a racial undertone and and maybe that's what was said here? But you know, you you heckle a team, the guy kind of starts jawing back at you, and then the Sixers organization decides that you're banned for life. Are you still a Sixers fan? Well, if, if it was for an away player, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's unfortunate, but I also like you just got to deal with the consequences yeah. of your actions. Yeah, well, like because like, here's the thing: if I'm if I'm courtside, I'm not heckling. Those guys are huge. Um, I watched. No. Um, um, I think I brought this or it'd up. Or it'd be funny. Like that's where you get jokes off. Like that's yeah. when you do get jokes off, not during surgery when you're <laughs> courtside. <laughs> Let's see what's on your mind. I still are think you that kidding would be... me? I'd be heckling the heck out of Kyrie Irving if I was if I was courtside for Sixers Celtics or something like that, or Al Horford. I'd be calling Al Horford boring or something like that. Something hilarious. Something that'll just really like like it just pokes them. It's enough to poke them and not really, uh, you know, set them off the edge. So. I, yeah, it's I, like what are you I gonna do? It. What are you gonna do in the All Star game, Al Horford? Make a spinning layup? I think I would. I don't know. I think I would be upset with them for banning me. I'd under probably understand why, but I don't know. Like part of me would not want to be a fan. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm also gonna never get banned. For right, life, I'm not either. Hopefully. But but you know, I'm just taking a hypothetical here. I I have faith in myself. <laughs> it is time. For who's balling and who's falling on the Drive and Dish podcast. Who's balling and who's falling? Our version of the NBA stock market where we talk about players that are on the rise and players that are not on the rise uh, in our fallen segment. But first, we start with the positive. Kevin, you better have seen this coming from a mile away. Oh, I was no. on. I was on triple double watch last night. <laughs> I've been on triple double watch for their last three games. 
because your boy has three triple doubles in a row. Alfred, MF, and Peyton, baby, come on down. <laughs> Dude, you are literally the you are lone survivor on Alfred Peyton Island. Dude, last three games, uh, 15 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds against Atlanta. 14 points, 11 assists, 15 rebounds against Milwaukee. And last night, we weren't sweating it out. It was a high-scoring game. 14 points, 12 rebounds, 16 assists. Your boy, Alfred Payton. Also, by the way, I'd like to point out, in all of those games, they obviously lost, but he was no better than a (laughs) minus 12 in his plus-minus for those games. That is insane. <laughs> That's the part I love about it. Uh, gamer scores of, you know, decent 20, 20.1, 23.5, 16.4. But you knew. I had someone tweet me about it the first game against Atlanta. And I was like, all right, Atlanta's like one of those ones where Kevin could probably write it off. But then when he hit Milwaukee with a triple-double, I was like, all right, there's no way we can't hit him with oh, it. Oh, baby, we back. <laughs> we're back, baby. You know what's funny? I thought after Evan messaged us and shout out to Evan that you were going to maybe mention Carl Anthony Towns. You know, never mind that the last uh, the last ten games that he's been averaging thirty four and thirteen and has just really been absolutely on fire. Um, <laughs> they did lose. You know, he had forty against Washington, thirty four against Denver, twenty six against Utah. So I get an honorable mention for him this week because I I do feel like we need to mention that he's not my ball in either, but I do respect the on brandness of Alfred Payton. Uh, my balling for this week is Lou Williams. Lou Williams making a little bit of history. You know I am a history guy. He is now the NBA all-time leader in bench scoring. Wow. Um, you know, I believe he broke the record. I think it was against the Bulls the other night. Uh, but he's got 13,089 career points. 11,172 of those points have come off the bench. Um, he's obviously played for a couple of teams. I mean, notable since with the Sixers, he's with the Clippers now where he's been playing his ball and he got that new contract in the off season, uh, memorable years with Toronto. Um, he's been all over as well. A couple of years with the Hawks, uh, that one season with the Rockets a couple of years ago. So, uh, but yeah, man, Lou will, uh, perennial sixth man of the year candidate. So this makes sense. That's what I was going to ask you, uh, in terms of, Six man, you think he's gonna get it this year? I think he's certainly got a chance. I don't know yeah. if he's gonna win it. Um, I I think he's right there though. I think it's him. Um, I feel like one of the Raptors could win it. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at just bench player stats for the year right off the bat. Um, Lou Williams obviously scoring the most out of them and and playing the most games. Um, I guess they consider Jordan Clarkson a bench player here as well. Uh, Derek Rose. Dog, could I'm not be... giving Jordan Clarkson the bench player of the year. No, no, no. But Derek Rose could be up there. He's had some awesome games this year and, and some meaningful minutes um, for Minnesota. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, I know the injury kind of put him back, but he was having a year too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Dinwiddie was having a year. Um, is Terrence Ross considered a bench player? Uh, I don't see him on this list. Dennis Schroeder is considered one. He could probably be up there on that list, I'm assuming. Uh, 14 points, uh, almost four assists a game, coming in with uh, 30, well, not the greatest three-point percentage, but he's never been that great. I'm trying to think. There's definitely somebody on uh, uh, the Pacer. Uh, do they consider Sabonis? Yeah, Sabonis is here. He could be up there as well, you know, because he's been playing some decent minutes for them and a big part of the 
um, consistency that the Pacers have been coming with, you know? Yeah, I mean, as long as, ever, you know, Derrick Rose is crazy, though. Like, that really is a wild, wild. Yeah. I mean, he very well could be the winner this year. And the thing is, he statistically got a case for it. I'm just surprised that, um, you know, I'm surprised that and Siakam, too, is the one where it's like, you know, do you consider Siakam a bench player yeah, or not? I know he's been starting for them yeah. recently, but. um, Yeah, so, I, I mean, no one's jumping off the page. I think Lou will kind of shows up and is the one that would show there. I think Dinwiddie would have given him a run and probably still can give him a run. Uh, because D. Rose has a chance. I really think D. Rose might win it. Because of, like, the storyline? No, not even the storyline. Like, he just, he actually has been good as them as their sixth man all year. Like, Minnesota's playing better. Um, you know, that's the thing. Minnesota's bad, but they're not, you know, they're not super-duper bad. I mean, they're in 10th in the West right now. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd still give it to Lou over him. I wonder you know, where the voting's going to go. Lou William has a triple-double on this season. Yeah. I didn't even Pretty realize crazy. that. Shout out to Lou Will, man. Yeah, booming out my system. I'm like, Lou Will. Uh, all right, who's fallen for you this week? Fallen for me, and I, I told you we were going to bring him up, is uh, Shaq. <laughs> and he was on this show called Hot Ones. It's on YouTube. Uh, That's or- a bucket list goal of mine, by the way, to go on Hot Ones. Really? Oh, yeah. I love Hot Ones. Okay. Well, uh, Hot Ones, I didn't know about it until Shaq was on it, so I watched it. It's pretty funny. Um, first off, Shaq ate a wing at a, I think it was a Kentucky-style hot sauce wing, and uh-huh. he picks it up, looks at the camera, and goes, Kentucky don't know nothing about hot sauce, and takes a bite of this wing, and for the next, like, five minutes is just struggling to even talk. Um so he got wrecked by that hot sauce. But something he said in the episode, he holds the record, apparently. I don't know how he knows this, but he holds the record for most money spent at Walmart in one go. And <laughs> and he dropped $67,000 in one visit at Walmart. What did he buy? So he was saying it was when he got to Miami or was going to Miami, uh, he bought an apartment, and so he had to furnish it. Uh So he went to Walmart to get everything. So he said he bought like six or eight TVs, which probably didn't help, but that probably put the money up there, you know, like that's, but that's literally like six or eight TVs to me is like at most like $3,000, right? If they're $1,000. These are low key cheap now, kind of. If they're $1,000 each, you still only spent $8,000. How did you get to $67,000? That's my question. Yeah, that's nuts. I figured it would maybe be for like a charity drive or something. You know, like you go in and you just buy every toy in the store. Nope. He he was just furnishing his apartment. Dude, he should have gone to Ikea. It would have cost him like $35 for the whole thing. Right, but then he would have had to make it. Yeah, yeah, it's true, man. Nothing yeah. nothing makes you a man like having to build Ikea furniture. I can't even tell you how happy I was. Nicole had friends that like actually wanted to do it when we moved. I was like, you oh. guys want to do this? Yes, like go for it. Yeah, right? Please, like they had, by all means. They had the whole house built out before I even came home from work. It was <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> Somebody's gonna rip you for that. I know. <laughs> I'm totally okay with that, though. I have no problem with that. You can hate on me all you want. I did not have to build that furniture. 
Yeah, moving sucks. Uh, falling for me this week is the Miami Heat. Miami's played a lot better recently, and they're holding the eighth spot right now. And they actually, it's it feels like it's in their control. They have, uh, I believe, a game up on Orlando and Charlotte as we're recording this. But yo, Miami, Miami was up twenty on the Bucks at half, and then they end up losing the game by fifteen. What is that second half, Miami? Savagery. That's How are a... you up twenty and lose by fifteen? <laughs> I, I forget who was tweeting about this, but this is one of the bigger comebacks in, in like recent history. Uh, they were all tweeting about it. I, dude, like, yeah, like, what do you even say in the locker room after that game, really? And the thing is, it's meaningful for Miami, too, and it was on their home court. Like, I, Milwaukee is really good. Like, yo, we get it. Trust me. Like, Milwaukee is way better than Miami is. But, yo, you got an opportunity. I mean, you want to talk about being able to steal a game and put yourselves in great position for the playoffs and... You know, I think everybody in Miami is trying to keep Wade's last dance going as long as they can. But, mm-hmm. geez, oh, man, that's that's uh, yikes. Definitely seems like Wade could keep going like this doesn't Definitely. have to be his last year. But no, that's, it does. He could have a bench role either in right. Miami or somewhere else. Like he's like, you know, I don't think his age. I, again, I still think Vince's game is aged the most gracefully because Vince can shoot. Mm-hmm. But Dwayne Wade's still like pretty athletic. And he's actually kind of impressed me a little bit this year, the way he's um you know, able to get it done, um, you know, because so much of his game has been based on athleticism, and obviously that goes as you get older. But, yeah, Dwayne Wade's had a couple moments this year where it's been like, Yo, are you sure you want to retire yet? <laughs> yeah, it's like, are you positive about that, dude? Because uh, it seems like you're doing just fine. You know, he's 37. I get it. He's mm-hmm. got nothing left to prove. Uh, yeah, Shaq got crushed, though, on Hot Ones. I-, I feel like we didn't properly convey that enough, though. It was really fun. I mean, credit to him. He finished. Like it was a little but rough. He, he was like by the end, he was wrecked. like drenching the wings in milk and such. Yeah, but. <laughs> he got he got wrecked. That's why I was just I, I mean I alluded to him getting wrecked with the with the first wing, but yeah, yeah. Uh, DJ Khaled was on hot ones early. Really, I mean like way early on. Yeah, and I think he got through like three out of ten. It was bad. It was really really. See, sad. I'm like I don't like like I like wings, but I like like I get like mild, and that's what I live with. Like I don't really go for like the hotness. Oh, I'd be yeah, I'd be struggling by the end. Yeah, because the thing with me is it has to taste good. Like I don't want hot sauce that's just hot for the sake. Right, of it. like it's just like gonna that's kill why you. I don't really like Tabasco. I don't think it tastes like anything. Like yeah. I just think it tastes like hot. Um. But I'm trying to think of uh, who, like, maybe was the best on that. YG was really good on that. Like, he was, like, disturbingly good at eating that hot food. Like, even where the host was like, uh... You all right, bro? Okay, then. All right. <laughs> That's funny. <clears throat> but, yeah, no, I can't imagine by the end. It'd be absolutely brutal. All right, well, speaking of fire, uh, let's get into rapid fire. A couple of things we wanted to mention real quick. Uh, first up, Isaiah Thomas is out of the Denver Nuggets rotation um, obviously, a lot of this has to do with the emergence of Monte Morris, who's been much better for them all season long. But, you know, we're talking about IT getting eight or nine games before going out of the rotation in, in what seems to be a prove it year for IT. I mean, where does he go from here? I don't know, because here's the thing. Like, it didn't seem like it didn't work right off the bat. Like, I'm looking at the stats off of his game against the Clippers, where he played 23 minutes. He had like 10 points, four assists. He was a plus 11. Like, there were games where it worked for him. But then, yeah, you I get still- down to like the Lakers and Golden State, and it's, it doesn't look as good. And he's a minus 10 on, you know, he's a minus 10 for the game. And he goes uh, 0 for 3 from 3. 
And then, you know, maybe a steal and assist here, but they're only playing 15 minutes, so you need a little more production from that. So, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Maybe could it have been he's just been out for too long? Like, uh, obviously it's injury, but maybe it's still like conditioning size. I mean, I think it's a little bit of that. I think he's working his way back in. Like, I still think IT can fill up an NBA stat sheet, but it's tough, too. I just don't think he's ever, like, he's never been a great defender. Right. And I think in terms of those lineups, um, you know, he's costing them a lot on that end. He was just giving it up. Um, but you know, he signed a veterans minimum there. I feel bad with the Lakers cause the Lakers weren't trying to play him at the end of last year. They were trying to play their young guys. Mm-hmm. Obviously Cleveland didn't work out the pressure of winning with LeBron, the, you know, to fill in right away. It just didn't work there at all. Um, I'm interested to see where IT ends up. I think he's going to stay in the league. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being that ridiculous, but you know, maybe he goes back to Boston and tries to, you know, figure out some of the magic, but. I don't know. It's it been a, it's been a tough go for IT. I feel bad. Yeah, but but you know he'll grind it out. I have faith. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm uh like I have faith that again I have faith that he'll stay in the league. But I mean, it's just sad because he never got that max contract. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where it hurts. Well, and you you want to see him get it, but I guess this kind of alludes to the fact that this is what teams were worried about would happen. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, speaking of max contracts, somebody that's going to fetch one is Kemba Walker, and reports are starting to creep out that he will indeed want out of Charlotte this summer. Mm. See, this isn't the way I wanted it to go um, in terms of Kemba. I wanted it to be the team that made him move. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like where it wasn't him that had to demand it or or ask for it. I wanted it to be the team decided the best thing to do would be to move on and that's how they would do it because then it kind of keeps Kemba as this like uh I don't even know like as this like perfect player, you know, perfect uh You don't think he's player. still that anyway? No, I think he is, but I think it just kind of makes you look at it like, "Ah, oh, man, he's going to go, he's going to go try to win somewhere else. He doesn't want to do it here where if he's not the one that says it, the team brings it up like, "Hey, we're going to we're going to have to move him to get something." I think it I don't know, it just sits better with me that way. See, I completely disagree. Um, I don't think he's handled this. This hasn't been like an Anthony Davis where no. he just flat out said it. I think he's just suggested that, hey, by the way, I'm probably moving on this summer. Like, I think Kemba has done everything possible he could done it do in Charlotte. You know, he's improved every right. year. He's you know really gotten in, embraced the city. He's mentioned breaking every record there. He's arguably the best player in franchise history. But we've never seen Kemba Walker play meaningful basketball since he was at UConn. And I want to see that now. I think he wants to get a taste of winning in the NBA. And I think there are a couple teams right away who will, you know, L.A., who should maybe make a run at him. New York, who could make a run at him. Um, You know, other opportunities. Imagine if Kemba goes to, like, a Utah, for example. Imagine if, you know, he could play there and fit really well. Maybe Toronto decides to move on from Lowry and makes a run at Kemba. And if they're able to keep Kawhi, like, there's a lot of different opportunities out there. And and Kemba's going to get a max contract. The guy is awesome. It's not a secret anymore. Like that whole, you know, him being underrated. I don't think he's underrated anymore on a national level. No, I agree. And he deserves the money. And I'm not saying it's wrong for him to do. I just, I don't know. It always sits weird with me when a player wants to be traded instead of the team doing it. And I think the team should have been the one that just says, hey, we're going to move on from Kemba this, you know, this offseason because it's time to let him, you know, spread his wings and fly. 
No, man, he's got to, uh, you know, and they'll do right by the organization. I think I think he's done right by the organization the whole time. That's my thing, man. Kemba's been a model employee. Sometimes you just got to move on. You got to go get that bag. One of the um, um, one of the websites is saying he could sign a five year, two hundred twenty one million dollar deal. That's the rumor right now, apparently. If he stays in Charlotte. Um, I'm not sure. Let me see what this. I mean, Charlotte should be able to pay him the most. Yeah, yeah, that's have... Hornets. That's Hornets. So if he stays, Hornets, uh, five year, two hundred twenty one million dollar deal with Hornets. If he's named to all team NBA or all NBA team. Yeah, and I totally wouldn't rule out him coming back. Like I do think Kemba has a little bit of that Dame type in him, where he wants to be successful and he's stubborn to that with the team that drafted him and has believed in him, but. You know, I, I think that I don't think anyone can blame him yeah. for moving on. Like, yeah. I think Charlotte is going nowhere fast. And, you know, maybe they make the playoffs this year and, you know, maybe they make a splash. But even if they make the playoffs, like, they're going to get Milwaukee first round. Mm-hmm. Got them upset in Milwaukee? Uh, I don't see it happening. Yeah, it, exactly. I don't think anyone's jumping out that window. I don't think people in Charlotte are jumping out that window. <laughs> But uh, all right, moving on to the Rockets, they converted Daniel House's two-way deal into a standard contract, um, which is cool. He'll be up there for the playoffs. Um, he'd given them a lot of good minutes. It was interesting. There were a lot of Rockets fans early on who were, you know, he's been back and forth to the G League all year, and I know that it's been tough with the Rockets cap, but um, you know, he's a really good that energy type of guy off the bench. He can defend. He can you know catch lobs, which is what they need you to do in Houston. So. I would say um, I think uh, it'd be actually pretty useful for them come playoff time. I was gonna say last night. Uh, last night he had 18 points uh, in 34 minutes of playing time and uh, was actually four from eight, four for eight from three. So about 500 or 50 percent from uh, three. So shout out to him. Uh, obviously, you like to see him. I'm looking at his you know games. He's he was out of the rotation there for a second, uh, like you had alluded to. But, you know, he's he had some big games for him in the beginning of the season, so it's cool to see him come back. Well, that's what I mean. I think that people were saying at the beginning of the year, it's like yeah. this guy's had some success, even if he doesn't give you it every night. Like the Rockets are – these are the type of players the Rockets should be taking flyers on. So, But like I said, I think it will be good to have him back in the rotation come playoff times. You know, the, the Rockets have to get creative with their depth, and this is a guy who has certainly earned it. He's been balling in the G League all year too, so – Yep. You know, come playoff time, they you know if he can if he can just defend, that's the key. What we say with Houston all the time is if they well, can defend, if they're going to beat Golden State, it's that way. And on top of it, I mean, he's not he he's a he's a decent at least three point shooter. Just looking at some of the games from the beginning of the season and the one he just had. I mean, you know, uh, just looking back uh, in the beginning of the year on the fourteenth, he was. It was he shot fifty percent of six for twelve, five for thirteen, five for eight, three for six, three for six, a bunch of times. So it's just like, you know, he he's gonna come out there and get you some three pointers too, which will space the floor, help him out a little. Um and obviously that team, they all need to be able to shoot the three. So that's that's something that'll help too. Uh, real quick, uh, Clippers Bulls game last night. Did you see Jim Boylan and Doc Rivers both got ejected at the same time? <laughs> no, no, what happened? Oh, no, they were just arguing with each other, and they just decided, the, you know, the ref said, nope, we're just going to both, both out of here. All right. That, I mean, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, stuff like that pumps. I Do you think that pumps the players up? I think it does. They were both, uh, I mean, I guess, they were both coaches were in full hold me back mode, which is kind of yes, funny. Yes, I love that. So. Yes, that's what I want. I want full hold me back mode. Like, I want. Yeah, I mean, I want, I, like, nobody's going to throw a punch. Like, coaches are definitely not throwing punches. I, I want, mean, dog, are you throwing a punch in a suit? 
No. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Um, right. Like, I'm not a mobster. So. Right. But, like, at the same time, I want, I want hold me back style fights like, like the Ibaka one. Like, I want people to, like, have to grab me off. Well, the Ibaka one, they were going for it. And that's actually going to be one of my, you know, one of my points to hit here. Let's just get right into it. Serge Ibaka got suspended three games for throwing punches at Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris got a game at it. Uh, they were really throwing punches. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I don't, I didn't see anything like, horribly wrong with what Chris did like yeah they were locked in trying to get like they you know their hands were tangled they were tangled up in each other trying to get the the ball and then Abaku goes down and Chris looked at him I don't know what he said because I could see his lips moving and the, whatever he said got Abaka pissed off and man he Abaka grabbed him by the throat like had him up against the the basketball uh net like he had him up against the pads and just started swinging it was awesome <laughs> I feel like Ibaka's been in low key a bunch of fights he has and I, that's why I think his might be a little bit more than just one game yeah no he got well, no he got 3 yeah that's what uh, i mean i'm just looking at uh, I'm trying to look up a list right now. I want to see how many times he's been suspended. I'm sure. Uh, they, I'm sure they have like a running tally of Abaka getting in in on court fights, um, because it's definitely there's definitely been more than just this instant uh, instance. Because I definitely I definitely remember it more than uh, it's with multiple teams yeah. too. It's not even just like I think this might have been the first one with the Raptors, but I mean with the Thunder there were a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, with the magic, I feel like there was one, which I mean, he probably just was mad at the way that Orlando situation was broken going. that year. I get that. I'd be mad too playing for Rob Hennigan. Yeah, I'll have to dig this out later. It's taking way too long. Guy is, uh, guys confirmed gotten some altercations on the court before. And last but not least, I think the news that probably Knicks fans wanted to hear the least is that James Dolan says he is not selling the team. He went on radio after that fan altercation that we talked about a little bit last week. Um, says he's not selling the team. He's got no interest. Uh, the Knicks are the most valuable franchise in sports, or one of them. Uh, so, Or most valuable NBA team, I should say. Um, so he'd make a ton of money. But I uh, I think if there's one thing that you have to worry Again, we've said this all along. Like, if there's one thing you need to worry about with the Knicks going into the offseason where they could land all these recruits, it's James Dolan. Yeah, but this doesn't surprise me. Like, I'm not surprised he's not going to sell the team. Like, I, we, none of this would have surprised us. Like, like I, I'm not even sure how I'm trying to word this, but, like, no point did I, this season or at any point did I think, oh, maybe he'll sell the team, you know? No, yeah. I mean, what's well, the thing is, like, we can clamor for these guys to sell the teams, but nobody's going to do it. I mean, it's the same thing with Sarver and Phoenix. Is like you need – it's very rare anymore that people are selling NBA teams. Right. I mean, how many teams have been sold recently? I mean, and more of them were – I mean, in the case of the Clippers, it took Donald Sterling being racist. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't exactly like that was a voluntary sell. Yeah. Um, the Rockets are the only one that come to mind where they sold recently. Yeah, so, you know, it sucks. Sorry, Nick fans, but you might as well just, uh, you know, I guess buckle down and just hopefully he doesn't screw up this offseason for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, again, I've, I've said on this podcast a billion times, I still think Kevin Durant is going there. Mm-hmm. So, And teams will put up with, you know, I don't think Dan Gilbert's reputation is necessarily sterling, but LeBron was there for a couple of years and they made it work. So, um, you know, if you find the right person that just wants to make it work, um, sometimes the challenge uh, outweighs dealing with the BS. 
It's time for hot takes from Reddit. Ah, right. <laughs> hot take number one. First hot take comes from a conversation of Paul George, talk, Paul George talking about getting his jersey retired by Indiana. And he said that uh, he said, I'm not sure if I've done enough to have a jersey hung there, but that's not in my hands. So the comment below it says, I don't see PG's jersey getting retired anywhere unless he wins a championship with OKC. And then he edits that later and says a finals appearance might be enough. Um, it's interesting because I'm looking at so Paul George spent six seasons in Indy. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, so Paul George spent seven seasons in Indy. Um, he's got you know he's got two in OKC right now. He's 27. Um, let's say he finishes career his career in OKC. Mm-hmm. If they win a title, I definitely think it's a lock in OKC to get retired, um, just because it would be the first one in franchise history. Um, if he finishes his career and plays till he's 39 or something like that in OKC and continues to play at the level that he's playing now, I think he's got a chance there. Um, yeah, it's tough with Indy. Um, I don't think. And, and that's more of the standards that I have for retiring jerseys. Yeah. I think that you have to, like, that's the highest honor to me that you can get in sports short of having, like, a statue built outside. Right, because they're, um, not, they're not going to let anybody else, like, be that number ever yeah, again. Yeah, like, you either need to be an all-time great or have really shifted the culture. Because, I mean, we've had a couple of things. Like, OKC, for example, retired Nick Collison's jersey. Nick Collison was a, was a culture type of guy. You know, in Memphis, we see Tony Allen's jersey get retired. We saw uh, Zach Randolph's jersey get retired. Um, and, you know, you know, Gasol and Conley are a matter of time and where, you know, they didn't necessarily have the championships, but it's because of the culture. And could you maybe argue that with Indy? Yeah, but Indy's had other successful teams, too. It wasn't like that's the only successful era of Indy basketball. I think um, I think he would have had a better shot at getting it if he left and the team was just trash. Oh, you mean just to show his impact? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. if, if he left to go to OKC and the Pacers were just, like, bottom of the league for, like, four or five years, then people would still be talking about the good old days with Paul George, you know what I mean? Yeah, see, I oddly kind of disagree with that in a weird way because I think that you know, a lot of the animosity and tension never really developed towards Paul George because Paul George said he wanted it out, but I think Paul George said he d- did two things right. A, he gave them plenty of time to trade him, mm-hmm. and B, it just helps that the, the trade ended up being pretty good. Like, you got all the depot, you got Sabonis. Like, that ended up being a really good haul for Indy. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I that's what I mean is is I don't know. I just feel like if the team was bad, people would still think back to the days that it was good and remember how awesome he was for yeah. them. And so I wonder if that would push the narrative a little bit more to getting the jersey retired. I'm looking at PG's numbers too. Um granted he lost the year of his prime because of the injury yep. um with yep. Team USA. Um but I mean Paul George is a peak Paul George that we know him today. It kind of started in twenty thirteen. Um, but he only really had three seasons of that in Indy. I mean, his in 2011 and 2012, he was good, especially more towards 12. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paul George is averaging 17 a game then. But, you know, the first two seasons in the league, he wasn't exactly lighting it on fire either. So 
yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Um, but I, th- I think there's definitely a, a very real chance in OKC if he can continue to play the level he's playing now for another couple of years. I mean, the guy's yeah. been awesome. And if they win a championship, obviously that changes everything. Yeah, it's the, write it in stone then. Yeah, I mean, I, how many players in the league? And I'll, actually, I'll ask you this. How many players in the league right now do you think are jersey are locks to get their jerseys retired by a team or by the team they're on? Well, does LeBron count for Cleveland? Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, no, he's... Yeah, because Tony Parker counts for San Antonio. Okay, so, yeah, you got LeBron, you got Tony. Oh, man. Wade's a lock for Miami. I bet you if Russ stays in OKC, no matter what happens, they retire him. Who, Russ? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Russ is definitely going to retire Yeah, so Russ... Um... I think Harden's on the way in Houston. Harden's on the way in Houston. I yeah, I bet I bet you with that. Curry most likely with the Warriors. Oh, Curry's a lock. Curry's a lock with the Warriors. I think Clay Loki might be a lock with the Warriors too. I Curry's one hundred. I think Clay. Well, it depends if he stays. You know what I mean? Like if they give him the money and he stays, then yeah, I think he's a lock to do it too. Yeah, th- he was there for a long time though, and they were super successful. Yeah, like if Clay leaves, it it just may because they had to make it. Now, Grant, I don't think Clay's leaving. Like I think they're gonna let Draymond go before they let Clay go. I think you can argue Draymond's a lock too. Yeah, just the the whole like that those whole core team. three of the is Warriors Iggy, guys is Iggy because uh, he's a big part of that team too. <sighs> and he won a Finals <laughs> MVP. I know that's what I mean, man. I don't know. Iggy's interesting. Iggy's one of those borderline people, and I guess it depends. Do you go culture or not? Because then you start, you know, do you go Sean Livingston too? Like, yeah. you start going down the list. Um, well, then, and then you, I, I think Dame is a lock for Portland eventually. Ah, uh, maybe. He never leaves, dude. I think Kemba's a lock for Charlotte. I, Kemba for Charlotte. Yeah, that that has to happen. Uh, Wade, Wade's a lock. Oh, yeah, Wade's definitely a lock. So there's a um, good amount of players. Dirk's a lock. Oh, yeah, Dirk's a lock. He's still there. There's a lot of players, man. Like, it's surprising. Yeah, well, that's true. Because, like, like I said, we mentioned Memphis. Mike Conley's a lock in Memphis, I think. I still think uh, Marcus Marcus Gasol's Gasol's a lock. yeah. Yeah. Is Randolph uh, still already... in the league? Is is Randolph still? He, he was playing somewhere, wasn't he? Uh, he got waived. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think he's playing right now. He might be on a roster, but he's not playing. Okay. Um, Rand, no, Randolph and TA already had theirs retired. Yeah. So the two in Memphis aren't a lock. Um, Embiid's a lock in Philly if he stays here his whole career. Ben Simmons is a lock in Philly if he stays here his whole career, which sounds crazy to say. Um, yeah, but I don't. I don't. That's I didn't say them because I don't think we could say that yet because it's just too early in their careers. You just never know. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, guys, but yeah, that's true. Because if guys stay with their own, I mean, we could bet. You know, we we could start making bets all around. Like I, you know, I I could put a money down on Luca, and I'd feel relatively confident in that bet if he stays in Dallas for a long time. Yeah. Um. You know, we do this for a bunch of young prospects, but we don't need to go down that watch. Hot take number two. My uh my hot take involves Damian Lillard. So Dame is now second in Portland Trailblazers all-time scoring, and he moved up on the list exactly seven years to the day the Gerald Wallace trade took place. Uh, So why is the Gerald Wallace trade important? Because that's the trade that Portland made to get the number one pick that they used to draft Damian Lillard. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like that whole little connection there. Yeah, sixth overall. uh, Hot take comes from uh, the under-average American who just says, I'm pretty spooked. 
I mean, there's weird connections in sports like that all the time. Like, um, what was the one? Alex Smith's injury for the Redskins came 33 years after the um, the other injury. Oh, Deisman? Deisman's injury, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's like 33 years to the date. So it's like, it's, it's stuff like that. There's always those weird connections that you'll find, but um, I don't think they're spooky. Dude. Uh, no, no, it is spooky Billy King because as bad as that Celtics trade is, man, the, trading Gerald Wallace, trading a, a top 10 pick for Gerald Wallace is insane. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, and he was so good at the time. Like, I'm not, I don't want to, yeah. you know, Gerald Wallace had a, a good NBA career, but ooh, that is, uh, yikes. Well, you look back at it and now it's Dame Lillard who's, you know, uh, looks like the last, like, one, two, three, four. He had a 51-point game against OKC. You know, a 33-point game against Boston recently. So, dude's balling out. It's always so quiet Portland for Portland for some reason. Uh, Wait, what do you mean? It's just, you, you never hear, like, like, I did hear about his 51-point game, but you don't hear about the fact that he's just, you know, in, his, in what looks to be his last seven games is, uh, is averaging almost you know, 30 points a game. Well, I think it's the lack of playoff success yeah. that I think has people more hesitant on Portland than they've been in the past. Um, you know, they haven't really had that signature run and moment. It's interesting with Dame though, because I feel like Dame obviously came into the league with a lot of hype. He was the rookie. He was, you know, one of the yeah. leagues looking like young stars. He obviously had that iconic shot against Houston pretty early on. And I feel like Dame kind of people started to drift towards the Dame isn't good category, but now I feel like it's the complete opposite. Like I feel like everyone has realized that Dame is really evolved. I mean, Dame is way better than I thought he ever was going to be. Like I thought the guy was a multi-time All Star, but like he's playing at an MVP level right now. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody asked in that thread too how much longer till he's the greatest Blazer of all time, um, and people were saying that's Clyde Drexler right now. Um, I think it could have been. I think it would have been Bill Walton. Not it could have. I think it would have been Bill Walton had he not got hurt. Um, but you know, I think you could argue that Dame is is probably top three. Walton, Drexler, Dame, and that's a pretty great list to be on. I mean, Portland's been around a long time. Well, let's go to my favorite little page, the Ranker dot com page, <laughs> <laughs> and see what everybody uh, thinks. Trailblazers. Oh, blaze. oh man. Look at me spell everything wrong here. Best Portland Trailblazers of all time, according to Ranker. Yeah, Clyde's number one, Dame number two, Bill number three on this list. So, okay. uh, Terry Porter, number four, Sabonis, Bill, the, number five. The thing is, like, Bill, I feel like, I, like, Bill Walton, I think at his peak was probably better than any other Blazer. It's just, again, with the injury. But Bill also won a title. Like, I think yeah. that's the one thing with the Blazers, too, is they've got one championship in franchise history, and, and that came Bill. with Bill, not with Clyde. Yeah. Uh, who else is on this list? LaMarcus Aldridge was one, too. Like, if he had stayed, he'd probably be higher on this list. He's number seven. LaMarcus Aldridge might go back. Did you see those? Uh, no. You said that? He was talking about with Dame maybe going back to Portland. I didn't see that. That would be interesting. Brandon Roy uh, is number six on this list. Oh, dude, Brandon Roy. That don't make me sad. <laughs> All right, Scotty Pippen is on this list, dude, number 10. 
That's surprising. Uh, um, just because he was there for so little. Yeah, Brandon Roy, man. Brandon Roy is is one of the all times, if not like the what if for me. Yeah. Um, that guy was so good, and just the knees failed, and it's so sad. I know, and and you know that. Yeah, I don't. We don't need to rehash that. Uh, McCollum's number twelve. Uh, Zach Randolph, number seventeen. Yeah, no, Randolph was good there. Yep. Um, he didn't get the hype there, but and then because then he kind of got overpaid, um, with New York and wasn't as you know it wasn't until obviously the Memphis bounce back. But no, Randolph was good his first couple of years in mm-hmm. Portland. Batum number seven or twenty seven and Wes Matthews number twenty four. Those are just the highlights. Jim Paxson number twenty five, and just to throw out a few more names on this list. Just name dropping. Yeah, just throw Portland fans. Portland's fans. Let us know what do you think. Like rank. I mean, for me, obviously, it's it's in some order: Dame, Clyde, and Bill Walton. Bill. But I'm interested. Uh, you know, Rip City. Sound off. I think we've done enough dancing for today. So why don't we dance Wednesday? See you, Starside. Okay, well, I'm out of here. Get Get Let's go while we're young. All right, all right. I think they get the point. old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex (laughs) heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get zero percent apr or up to fifteen hundred bonus cash on the hyundai tucson now during the hyundai getaway sales event offers end soon call 562-314-4603 for details